0: Bingo. Go. Humphrey gives it back to Cardale Jones. It's caught. DeAndre Tompkins.
1: Touchdown. Dick's six. He's down the sideline. What's an escort? And into the end zone for the touchdown. Tampa. St. Louis. New York. Los Angeles. Dallas. Houston. Seattle. Washington. The
0: inaugural season. This is the XFL. 4 weeks down just 6 remain hard to think we're nearly halfway through that inaugural season of the XFL and eventually all teams are in the win column who hey the Tampa Bay Vipers got the job done we'll talk about that in a little bit but first before we get any further let's welcome in my regular partner in crime michael how are you my friend Oh, well, good mate thanks how are you Not too bad, mate. Still nursing a little bit of a sore throat, got to be honest. Um, It's getting slightly irritating now, but uh, not too bad at all. The sporting weekend was pretty good. Villa didn't disgrace themselves in the League Cup final, which I thought they might do, and uh, we got another decent weekend of football action in terms of the XFL. So, all good here, my friend, and let's get straight into it. Let's get into first down. First down. So, I'll start us off in the Meadowlands on Saturday. And it was the turn of Louis Perez, wasn't it? Getting the start at quarterback for the New York Guardians. Matt McLuhan, part of the inactives list in this one. And Perez, after coming in and showing a little bit of promise in the previous week when he put together a nice series at the back end of the game, got the nod. And was pretty steady, not spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. But a final stat line of 18 completions from his 26 attempts for 150 yards and just the one touchdown. Um, more game manager than anything else, but you know, effective at moving the offense. The big um, star of the day, if you like, for the Guardians offensively was Darius Victor, who I've got to say, every time I've seen any action involving the Guardians. Darius Victor seems like a bit of a bright spark for them. Um, He's averaging over four and a half yards a carry on the season. That continued this weekend. Just feels to me as though he actually need more of an opportunity in the games. It seems to be a little bit of a trend in the league. There's not a huge amount of commitment to the run from a number of these clubs. Um, But certainly Darius Victor is having himself a nice season in terms of LA, a bit of a disappointment, wasn't it? Obviously a massive win the week prior. Getting 39 points on the board at home against DC. Um, and obviously travelling cross-country. Plenty of yardage. Josh Johnson, 330 yards through the air. A couple of touchdowns in this one. And all of this without his main weapon in Nelson Spruce. He was inactive on the day. Now keep your eye on the injury report because he may well miss a little bit more time also. Um, but Trey McBride has really stepped up in the last few weeks, hasn't he? He got eight balls in this one for 127 yards, um, seemingly becoming a very nice complimentary piece to Spruce when uh, he does eventually get back in the lineup. Game on, on in, get my words out, this game decided ultimately by special teams, which isn't something we've really talked all that much about when it comes to these XFL games so far. But it was the story of a couple of missed field goals from the Wildcats that ultimately meant the Guardians were able to hang on in this one. Nick Novak, um, you know, many seasons in the NFL, bit of a veteran. He had an attempt blocked by Jarrell Owens. Jarrell Owens had an excellent game for New York. I'll touch on that a little bit in a moment. But that was his first miss, and then he got an opportunity to right that wrong, but pushed one wide right from 44 yards away. It ultimately meant that we didn't get our first overtime game in XFL history, and it ended up being a 17-14 win to the Guardians, who even their record out at 2-2. Two and two. I mentioned Jarrell Owens. Like I say, he had an excellent day, getting plenty of pressure in the backfield. He ended up with four quarterback hits, along with two sacks on the day. That's some impressive numbers in a single game's action. He also had that big block of that field goal, as I alluded to. For New York, obviously, it's a step in the right direction. They looked in complete and utter disarray for the couple of weeks leading up to this one. And if nothing else, they looked solid. They looked disciplined. Um, It was interesting to see the crowd reaction. The Meadowlands, as we've we've said to um, on a couple of occasions, probably not the greatest of choices of venue to play in big old MetLife Stadium. Looks, you know quite empty, doesn't it, if we're being completely honest. Yes, there's you know a couple of huge tiers, not even opened up, but you know, plenty of sparse sections of crowd. Um but you know to be fair, there was a passionate section behind the um behind the goal and they did make some noise um you know and ultimately got rewarded with a bounce back victory which was much much needed. Uh Michael this was the early game on Saturday. Do you manage to catch any of the highlights of this one, Buddy, and just, just your general thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, just to, as you said, a couple of highlights. Uh, I think it was promising to see that, although maybe not definitely, but for now anyway, that New York have settled the quarterback situation and were able to slow down the slide of where they were heading. So hopefully things are turning around for the more positive look. Out, out, pardon me, outlook heading forward.
0: Yeah. Well, like I say, you've got to start somewhere. I mean, you know, I wouldn't get too carried away. Like I say, there's certainly some ways to go. Um, You know, I think Perez, he's still got some work to do to really hold off McGloin. Like I say, 150 yards, not exactly going to win you tons of games, but he obviously didn't lose this one, which was the most important thing for New York and certainly a step in the right direction. LA, just a very strange team to work out, aren't they? Like I said, plenty of offensive production, um, but ultimately not producing enough points in this one. Let's move on then, mate, to the later Saturday game, and that was, of course, your Seattle Dragons. They went on the road. We said it was going to be a tough task, and it certainly proved that way against St. Louis.
1: Yeah, well, I spoke of New York stopping their slide. The Seattle slide continues while the St. Louis rise. Somewhat rages on, another dominant all-round team performance saw the Battlehawks improve to 3-1 on the year after beating the Dragons at home, uh, final score 23-16. Jordan Tamu continues to impress, uh, completing 20 passes on 27 attempts for about 264 yards and a touchdown. He led the team with another 63 yards on the ground and provided another week of high level play at the quarterback position, making the right reads, making the throws where they need to be made, and knowing when to escape pressure and make the rush, or make, make runs for for big yardage. He, he has a, a great ability to, to look off linebackers and safeties with his eyes to create running lanes for himself, which we saw him do a couple of times on Saturday. He managed to spread the ball around well, finding eight different receivers on the day, uh, DeMonte, Pierce Nell being the leading target and also catching the touchdown pass. So that moves Tommy on the season to about 876 yards with five total touchdowns and only two picks. So we can expect to see him, hopefully, not making no promises, pass the 1,000 yards passing mark this coming weekend. The Bulldogs also had a designed trick play. I'm not sure, Sean, if you've seen this. Maybe on Twitter. Uh, it was a designed wide receiver pass where it was a bit of misdirection and motion, which actually saw Pearce open up with a complete world of space. He had one side of the field completely all to himself on a designed pass play, when really he should have just run it in. He did decide to throw it, and it went incomplete. That was on a a two-point try after a touchdown. This was met by his head coach, Jonathan Hayes, falling to his knees in disbelief on the sideline, almost exclaiming, like, what the hell were you doing? Just run it in. Watching the tape, watching the video of it back, you're just thinking, This is crazy. You know, of course he's gonna run it in and out of the blue, he just decides to throw the ball. Something to learn from going forward. Uh, as for Seattle, well the change finally happened to quarterback, didn't it? Jim Zorn pulled the plug on the Brandon Silver's led offense and gave the green light to BJ Daniels to take control. Silvers started the day only four of ten for twenty-seven yards before being benched. Daniels actually only completed five passes on ten attempts, but he did have a hundred yards passing and a touchdown. The three back offense that we've been talking about with Seattle, it failed to produce again. Kenneth Farrow finished with only five of twenty six and a touchdown, and he was the leading rusher out of the three backs that Seattle had been going with. The majority of the rushing yards came from Daniels at quarterback. He had had seven rushes for 84 yards, averaging out at about 12 yards per attempt and the longest rush of 35 yards. So as I mentioned last week, and as a fan of Seattle, wanting to see a bit of bit of spark, this was definitely provided when Daniels entered the game. Uh spicing things up a wee bit and making defenders think twice about how they're going to play play against this offense. But a quarterback can't do it all, and the receivers once again were proving that. Guessing anything in this league is completely impossible. Austin Prowl had another stinker this week. One catch for one yard after going well in week one, poor in week two, well in week three, and now awful in week four. The team's leading catcher was Elijah Moore, who had one catch for 57 yards. So that sort of shows how unsustainable this offense really is when your leading receiver is just, just getting one catch a game. B.J. Daniels definitely provided spark as I mentioned, but fell short of the comeback which it so desperately needed, and then I fall to one and three on the year. I think moving forward, this will be an exciting team to watch. Hopefully, that's me hoping as a, from a fan perspective, but it'll be a lot better than what we had with Silvers. So hopefully, James Orange sticks with his guns and going forward we we'll see a bit more of an exciting offense.
0: Yeah, I think he, he's likely to, isn't he? Um... You know, I think you know, but like you say, BJ Daniels obviously carries more of that dual threat capability. Um, you know, which when you've got an offense that's struggling to move the ball, it's good to have that additional weapon at your disposal. Um, you obviously mentioned Jordan Tamu; he's been doing that consistently, hasn't he? For the Battle Hawks, you know, for me, probably looking like the most complete team. I think the defense plays with such great speed. You know, side to side, they seem to cover the field incredibly well. Um, you know, so, so for me I think, you know, no surprise that St. Louis ultimately got the win on the board. Um, you know, and, and they go from strength to strength. Like you say, for Seattle, really desperately need to figure out a way to get, you know, another win on the board. I think this running back situation, it's not helping anybody. I don't know why they don't commit to Kenneth Farrow. For me, he seems to be the one that produces week in and week out when he's given the opportunities. You know, not only did he lead as you say, in terms of you know overall rushing numbers, his yards per carry were the highest as well. He was the man that um got the rushing touchdown in this one also. Um and he does seem to, you know, be useful out of the backfield as well. You know, he was only targeted three occasions this weekend, but throughout the season, he's probably been the only running back that has been targeted on a regular basis. Um so I think that would help them out tremendously. Uh, in terms of the Battlehawks, just a bit of a shout-out, like you say. personnel. I did see that play that you're referring to, mate, and <laughs> certainly a little bit of a heads-gone moment, um, but he had a nice day, obviously, um, doing his, his primary job, if you like. Um, five of five for 71 yards, as well as that touchdown. Um, so he continues to emerge as a, as a pretty decent weapon in this Battlehawks offence. Right, mate, that's Saturday sorted. Let's move over to 2nd down and talk about Sunday. 2nd down. So we said it could well be the game of the weekend. I'm not sure it necessarily lived up to that billing. Um, It was an entertaining game, though, nonetheless, as the Houston Roughnecks continue their undefeated start to the season, mate. Picking up a big victory over Dallas.
1: Well, this one was being dubbed all over social media as the Texas Throwdown. The game had life all week on social media. Uh, the two teams were sort of beefing out between each other, trying to see who could get the most attention or the most laughs from their followers. So the game was definitely hyped up to a good extent. Um, I think, as you said, it didn't quite live up as it had promised, but we did get an entertaining on-field product. It was the Roughnecks who came out on top again, improving the 4-0. On the season and the PJ Walker show continued, although this week without his co-star Cam Phillips, who was held to only one reception for nine yards, which was a bit of a shocker for many who thought coming into this week it was something that they were going to look to and try to exploit going forward. The baton was carried this week by Nick Holly, who grabbed eight balls for ninety-seven yards and the score. And Walker finished the day with 25 passes from 41 attempts, 25 completed passes, pardon me, on 41 attempts, throwing another two touchdowns and a pick in there as well. Solid game from Houston. Although, to be fair, after the disastrous start of Landry Jones, which I'll get to in a minute, they didn't quite capitalize on points, perhaps as well as they might have liked. Um only getting a touchdown off of one of the turnovers and field goals off the other. So the game could have turned out different had they been a bit more productive on that side of things, but not to complain when you're almost halfway through the season and still undefeated. As I mentioned, for the PJ Walker show, we had the Landry Jones show and it was another stinker, another complete awful day. He had three first quarter picks and it was just basic it was a performance akin to that of the night Sam Darnold saw ghosts all over MetLife Stadium on Monday Night Football. Um, Bad throws, bad decisions were the difference in this game and it cost Dallas big time. Later in the game, Jones re-aggravated his knee injury in a scary scene, but the team announced on Monday, yesterday, that the recovery time should only be a couple of weeks. But Sean, as me and you discussed earlier, this is something that we're quite sceptical of and something that we could see maybe lingering on for a few weeks longer. Overall, disappointing for Dallas here now, 0-2 at home, but, you know, again, with the cut of one, coming in, in, in the final minutes, back up Philip Nelson, he started week one, he attempted to lead the comeback, but the no avail, he had a screenshot, or a screenshot, hear me, a screen pass, pardon me, it was just bobbled and caught, by a Houston defender, on the goal line, which, thwarted any chance of a comeback. This would have been a very different story had that ball crossed the goal line in the hands of Nick But as we sit now, we're looking at the undefeated Roughnecks and perhaps quite a demoralised Dallas team who are now without their QB1 again for we don't know how long this time. And 0-2 at home. Hopefully the fans stick by them moving forward.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any disgrace in the two defeats that they've had, obviously to Houston and St. Louis, who, you know, for me, probably the the two strongest sides so far um, throughout the opening four weeks. I think the key thing for for Dallas here is obviously the Landry Jones injury. Um, How long does it play on? Yes, he's thrown a league high seven interceptions, but he's certainly been pushing the ball down the field. That's opened things up underneath for the likes of Cameron Artis Payne. Donald Parham's become a huge target in that offence and the tight end position. So, you know, it's a different looking side without Landry Jones there, isn't it? So, that will be the key thing to come out of the game. We'll see how that um, how that one shakes out. Just in terms of the Roughnecks, you know, job done, um, essentially. I think that's two weeks in a row now. They haven't necessarily looked... Brilliant, um, but I've certainly got the job done. Um, like you say, Cam Phillips, you know, completely disappeared this week. Um typical, you know. <laughs> he was very expensive in DraftKings and over fifty five percent of all players picked him, myself included. Um, so not happy with that return. Um, but obviously on the field, as you say, Nick Holly. And himself quite the day, didn't they? Um, you know, eight receptions off ten targets, so really good for him. And Khalil Lewis was the other guy that emerged this week. Um, you know, he saw a huge amount of targets. He actually had thirteen balls thrown in his direction. Um, so Walker certainly not afraid to mix things up. Another guy that seems to you know get plenty of production, but not a lot of opportunity. Of course, again, I'm going to talk about the running game. We're going to talk about James Butler for the Roughnecks. Um, you know, again. Hardly utilised. He averaged over ten yards of carry last week on just seven attempts. This week, um, not as good from a production point of view, um, but still managed to churn out thirty-nine yards on just the eleven attempts. I think you know if Houston continue to remain undefeated, they're not likely to change the game plan. But obviously, Butler, you know, seems to be a reliable option if they want to go that direction. That leads us very nicely, mate, to the final game of the weekend. And it gives me great pleasure in talking about this one. Because I am, of course, talking about the first victory of the Tampa Bay Vipers season. And it was all really done thanks to that rushing game. They're the only team that really seem very committed to it. Um, There's obviously been a little bit of um, upheaval at the quarterback position, which has probably helped in terms of putting more focus in that direction. But the first 100-yard rusher of the NFL, NFL. (laughs) the first 100-yard rusher of the XFL season, was on the board on Saturday, and very quickly followed by the second 100-yard rusher of the season, as both Smith and Patrick both cross the 100-yard threshold. Tyler Cornelius, probably without the noose around his neck. Much, much better game from him seventy seven percent completion rate for two hundred and eleven yards. importantly wasn't sacked at all in this one. Tampa never seemed to be behind the chains um really good game from him. Dan Williams continues to be the big target on the um wide receiver side of things. He had eleven targets, caught seven balls for seventy two yards. Jordan Tolliver's become little Mr. Reliable. You know, he didn't drop any of his targets. Four of four, just the 45 yards. And like I said, the, the time of possession heavily skewed in favour of the Tampa Bay Vipers, as you would imagine, with that dominance of the ground game. As for the defenders, well, where on earth do we start? They looked brilliant, didn't they, through two weeks and through four weeks. They look like one of the worst teams in the competition, it's got to be said. Cardell Jones, we were looking to see how he would bounce back from his first ever professional defeat. Yeah, not great is the answer. Nine completions from 22 attempts, so just 41% completion rate. Only 72 yards as well through the air. Um, you know, really not pushing the ball downfield. at All the longest pass on the day was a 19-yarder and most of that work was done after the catch. So a really, really disappointing performance. You know, I am from a DC offense that has really just gone into its shell over the last couple of weeks. Again, from the ground game's perspective, not a lot doing there between Pumphrey and Brissette, just 46 yards rushing for the team. Um, so they really, really desperately need to find an identity and find it pretty quick. Um, Matt Elam probably a little bit of a bright spark his partnership on the back end of their defence with Raheem Moore Uh, Raheem Moore came up with his second interception of the season in this one Um, but ultimately you know total yardage in this one 477 to the Vipers just 107 to DC so it really was a beat down 29 first downs for Tampa 6 for DC and pretty much every statistic that you want to read out Tampa Bay, absolutely dominant in every aspect of this one. We've said for the last couple of weeks, mate, don't sleep on the Vipers. They've been improving week to week. You would argue potentially unlucky not to have got in the wing column before this weekend, but they certainly made sure of it this this week, didn't they, shutting out DC in a pretty impressive all-round display.
1: Well, the monkey is off the back finally, and you can finally relax. This is not a completely lost season, perhaps we will see a turnaround and your Vipers will not do a Cleveland Browns and actually win some games this year. Uh, But yeah, uh, they've been knocking on the door and finally somebody's answered.
0: Indeed, mate. Please don't bring up the Cleveland Browns. I haven't got to worry about that uh, that product for at least another eight months. So uh, yeah, Um, eight months? Is it that long? Yeah, six months. There are thereabouts. There, there about. It's confusing having all this football, mate, to watch in March and April. It's a nice problem to have, though. Right, that's the game's done. Let's get into a little bit of news on third down. Third down. Okay, third down. We bring you up to speed on third down, usually with the stuff from DraftKings over the weekend. First and foremost, mate, I bow down to your superior knowledge. Absolutely hammered me this week in our little personal head-to-head. I alluded to it earlier. I picked Cam Phillips, and it was pretty much all downhill from there, wasn't it, let's be honest. Not a great return from Cam. 1.9 points. As I mentioned, over half of the teams actually playing this week suited him up. So we'd have all been as equally disappointed. Not as disappointed as those that took DeAndre Tompkins, He looked like a pretty good reliable target in D.C., didn't he? Just a few weeks ago, he was held catchless, so zero points for him. Obviously, plenty of audio of Cardale Jones suggesting that he needed benching. Um, Not sure that's a great look, um, particularly with how Cardale's been playing the last few weeks. Other people that disappointed this weekend, um, Austin Prohl. Feast or famine, isn't he? Um, Back to just one points on the day the two-headed monster in the St. Louis backfield Matt Jones only two points Christine Michael only 2.7 points so not a great day from a fancy perspective there for those guys let's bring you some positive news and let's look at the guys that potentially did win you your matchups though highest scoring player on the week just looking through it appears to have been Nick Holy. 23.7 points for him And he's actually surpassed, i found, the highest scoring man of the week. I didn't think 23 points would cut the mustard. The highest scorer of the week, Trey McBride, 29.7 points for him. Uh, He's really emerged, hasn't he? And like I say, without Nelson Spruce suiting up this weekend, he would have been pretty decent value for most of you. Um, in terms of this weekend, mate, we'll go again. I look forward to getting my revenge, but uh, always a good bit of fun, DraftKings. Get involved. We'll give you the link to the game that Adam always sets up and come and take us on. Um, like I say, I think it's a $5 entry, so it's about what £3.60, something like that, um, and a chance to you know at least double your money, if not a bit more. So well worth getting involved. Right, mate, TV-wise, tell me about it. How did it look this weekend?
1: Still positive, but down on what we've had previously. Uh, The average attendance this weekend was around 1.38 million. So to keep the viewership north of the 1 million mark is always good, but that's down roughly 14% from what we've had in the previous weeks. Uh, Just sort of looking forward as to what's coming up. We're now into March. We have college basketball starting. That's going to bring in March Madness and a whole flood. Of TV coverage will come along with it, so it'll be interesting to see how the XFL survives going forward. Not survives, sorry, copes. Because we know it's been fully funded for at least two seasons, so we will have football. Just depends on how many people will be watching.
0: More yeah, no, interesting absolutely.
1: Interesting time. Sorry, pardon me. Just to finish off what I was saying, it'll be an interesting time just to see really how, how diehard the fans are, whether the attendance keeps up the TV ratings and the product of the league in general, which has been good up until this point.
0: Yeah, no, it has been, mate. And I think the encouraging thing, a lot of people speculated that the NFL scouting combine might actually draw more viewership, you know, in terms of the college athletes completing on-field drills as opposed to XFL football. That didn't happen. You know, the XFL outperformed the scouting combine. So that's obviously, you know, good news in itself. Um, I think in terms of the viewership, like you said, it'll be interesting just to see how it does progress. Um, I think once we get to the back end of the season, you know, hopefully, the way that the schedule and the playoffs work, there won't be too many dead rubbers. Um, you know, but that will obviously be a concern moving forward. Just while we talk on TV news, mate, we obviously aren't going to have any figures because we don't get them released over here in the same way that they do in the states. We've got to say I'm a little bit disappointed that BT's coverage didn't happen on Saturday night, the late game for whatever reason, bumped off the schedule. We were treated to some rugby highlights and a couple of college basketball games instead, so not great from a BT perspective. Um, I know a number of fans were disappointed with that. Um, you would think across what four BT channels they could have found um, you know a home for a live sporting event. Well that didn't seem to be the case. Um, so that is a little bit disappointing. Just in terms of some other bits and pieces of news, mate, I know you've got an interesting little story for us with regards to the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Renegades.
1: Yeah, it was actually announced on Monday that uh Renegades offensive coordinator Hal Moon, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, broke his leg during the game. Now, let me just reiterate this is the offensive coordinator and not a player a player spilled out of bounds and he was knocked over and actually broke his leg on the fall, but surprisingly continued to call players from the sideline for the rest of the game, which is, if anyone was questioning the, the integrity or the toughness of this league, if the men on the sideline are doing this, just imagine what the players are doing on the field. It was announced, though, that next week he would be calling the players from the booth. Uh, I think both medical purposes apply to that and. A bit of common sense. You don't want to be standing around with a broken leg in case you end up with another one. Staying <laughs> with staying with Dallas, just in terms of news and injuries, Landry Jones' knee was announced, as I said earlier, as not too severe. Uh, the team expects two weeks recovery and hopefully get him back on the field sooner than that. But as you would mentioned earlier, you don't think it's going to be that way.
0: No, it's got I've just got a horrible feeling it might be a little bit of a lingering one. Um yeah, we'll wait and see. Um yeah, it's obviously an injury that he suffered in the pre season and that one took longer to recover from than anticipated. You know, hopefully it doesn't go the same way. Um is it too early to talk playoffs, mate? I'm going to give you just a little bit of an update on the playoff picture. Just a little touch on the standings now. We're four weeks in. Um, it's interesting to see when this league table, if you like, will actually really start to to carry some relevance. Um, but I think four weeks in, let's just have a touch base of where we actually are. So remember, top two in each conference will go through to the playoffs. Um and ultimately then the obviously winner of those games represent their conference in the championship game at the I think it's the middle of April, isn't it? We're not a million miles away. Um, so let's go through where we are in the east. St. Louis leads the way with a three and one record, followed by the defenders at two and two, the guardians at two and two, and the vipers at one and three so obviously everybody's still very much alive in there in terms of the west the roughnecks obviously out in front 4 and 0 nice comfortable lead at the top of the west division dallas at 2 and 2 and then a couple of 1 and 3 teams in la and seattle um so obviously mate, like i said in terms of the format top two in each conference going through to a playoff game no one i think is eliminated yet at this stage Well obviously the teams that are 1 and 3 Really important that this upcoming weekend, which we're going to touch on in a moment, they get a big victory on the board, I would suggest.
1: Yeah, and I think for the, the sake of the fans as well, a little bit interesting to see, you know, sort of late surges from teams pushing for that playoff spot because, as you said, there is only the two of them. So, 50 50 chance if you're getting in or not. I think the format will work well, just a, a quick sort of playoff round and ended the Championship game. So, interesting looking forward as to who gets in and who doesn't.
0: Yeah, we'll obviously start to keep you up to speed with that on a week-to-week basis as we get closer towards getting those positions confirmed. Um, yeah, But certainly, the action is hotting up. Uh, just before we do move on to fourth down, mate, just to point everybody in direction of the Tuesday Takeaways article that went up on our site a couple of days ago now, um did it this week in a bit of a power rankings format and i know that i uh, raised a couple of your eyebrows mate with the way that i got them listed um just talk us through your sort of um ranking if you like at this stage don't
1: read the article it has seattle last end of conversation (laughs) no i'm only joking yeah i think i pretty much agree with most of what you've said along the lines of the article um Interestingly, you have the DC Defenders at five. The official XFL on Fox Twitter page has shot them all the way down to eight, the very last place in the rankings. You've slid Tampa up to four. I'm not sure where you've pulled that one from, but we'll let you away with it seeing as they have been playing well. But I think you've got the top three spot on. Uh, St. Louis, Houston and Dallas for me are the three teams that teams will want to beat going forward.
0: Yeah, and and to be fair, in my defence, like I say, go and check out the article. There is some good logic behind why I've got everybody ranked where they are. I think the the top two are probably the standouts at the moment, aren't they? Um, and, you know, the other six. tell asked a little bit of what are you going to get each week. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if we start developing a pattern as we move in to the second half of the season shortly. And that's what we're going to do, mate. Let's move across to fourth down and have a bit of a look into the action that's upcoming this weekend. Okay, so week number five, mate. You're going to kick us off as it's your Seattle Dragons. They obviously need to get a win pretty quickly. Not the best opponent, though. Take us through.
1: Yeah, the change of quarterback for Seattle could hopefully uh, provide a bit of life to this team. Uh, BJ Daniels will get his opportunity to impact a full game, but coming up against Houston a team that's, you know, as you say, haven't been playing great, but our own form 4-0 is nothing to argue against. Houston, based on how Seattle's been playing, Houston could run away with us, you know, in a scary high scoring sort of fashion. But as a fan and as a hopeful, I'm I'm hoping that that's not the case and that BJ Daniels keeps this one close.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Um, you know, it, it's really, really difficult to, you know, if we're being completely honest, to to really see a way of um, of Seattle winning this. I'm just having a quick look, and the betting lines are out. Houston opened this one up as thirteen and a half point favourites, um, which just goes to show the level of task that are facing Seattle in this one. Do you think Houston cover 13 and a half, mate?
1: Yeah, I think easily. I think I was being quite hopeful when I said that Hopefully Seattle will have a chance. But based on how they've been playing, I think we'll see Cam Phillips demanding the ball more so again this week after, by his own standards, a disappointing week last week. I think that connection will be re-established. Nick Holly in there as well. So you've now got two threats. Deep down the
0: field for Houston, I think 13 and a half will be a problem. Yeah, interesting one. The over-unders at 45.5, you'd imagine most of those, um, you know, obviously with the betting at 13 and a half for, for Houston, um, obviously Vegas think that most of the scoring will come from the Roughnecks. Pretty difficult really to argue against that one. Um, interesting way to kick off the weekend though, obviously a big underdog against a heavy favourite. The Second game on Saturday against two teams with the same record. But again, I think, you know, probably safe to say that there's a fairly heavy favourite in this one. I'm, of course, talking about the New York Guardians going on the road against the Dallas Renegades. And as you just alluded to there, mate, Dallas are actually yet to win at home. Um, so they'll obviously be keen to right that wrong. Betting for this one, Dallas open up as... Eight point favorites, which is a slightly strange spread for anybody that's used to betting on American football. But obviously, with the scoring in the NFL, in the XFL, that's twice I've done that this week. In the XFL being very different to your traditional NFL format, um, these numbers do vary slightly. Over/under sitting at 37, so not expecting a huge high-scoring encounter, and I think that's probably fair. We're obviously going to get, um, in all likelihood, Perez. Suiting up again, you would have assumed for New York. We mentioned earlier he was solid, if not um, unspectacular, this weekend. Dallas, you've got to imagine it will be Philip Nelson. Don't see them making any roster moves, and now they've got Brogan Roback on the squad. But you can only imagine it's going to be Philip Nelson starting. Um, obviously, Jones is definitely going to miss this week. it be interesting to see how much they lean on Cameron Artis Payne in this one, whether they'll actually have a bit more of a commitment to the ground game. I will probably just about take Dallas at home, mate, but I don't think they're going to cover eight points. How would you see?
1: I would have to agree. I think it'll be close. I think it'll probably come down to why Bob, Bob Sturps wants to go for his extra points does he want to go two does he want to go three you know he's probably only going to go three if he needs to so it would be a case of if he's going for one if he's going for two that the spread will come into play that way but I think it'll be close I think if they win it'll be either on the line or just above us
0: Yeah I think it's going to be a close one I really do and I think that over under 37 suggests um, you know a pretty tight defensive battle um, in the second game on Saturday Let's move over to Sunday then, mate, and um just give us a quick whiz through St Louis and DC.
1: Yeah, well a couple of weeks ago this was a mega matchup and everyone was gonna be looking forward to it. Two weeks ago, both of these teams were the two high flyers. You know, I know St Louis had that defeat against Houston, but as we've seen they've grown into quite a spectacular team. You would have to say for the the run of form they've been on recently for DC, this is this is must win. And I know it's quite early in the season to be discussing must-win games, but you would have to imagine to have any hope of regaining the form they once achieved this season, they'll have to turn things around. Cardale Jones is going to have to perform better. Pep Hamilton is going to have to scheme good plays, easy windows, easy throws for him to complete and get this offense into some sort of rhythm again. As for St. Louis, going on the road after two good weeks at home in the Dome, you know. Will that affect them? Will that change their mentality, their attitude? I can't imagine. So I think this will be a St. Louis win, but a must win for DC.
0: Yeah, I should have given you the betting line on this one, actually, shouldn't I? St. Louis open up as only three and a half point favourites, um, which I think is a little bit of a surprise. I think that's obviously because they are going out on the road. Um, you know. But I would fully expect them to cover that over-under sitting at 39 um, so again probably looking for defenses to be on top. Should have probably mentioned this earlier mate we'll just break slightly from our week five preview and I'll just ask you a bit of a question and you mentioned Pep Hamilton there. He seems to be a guy that for whatever reason on the broadcasts, you know the audio seems to switch to him probably more frequently than any other head coach and one thing that I picked up this weekend is certainly the complexity and the language being used in terms of the offensive play calls number of teams seem to have moved to sort of almost one word calls and more concepts of what the play is likely to be um there's a lot of words coming out there in dc and it seems as though receivers not always on the same page do you think he he might even change the way he approaches that this week to to try and get this offense firing again
1: i think he needs to if you look at what's happened over the past couple of weeks change needs to happen somewhere because if it continues on like he has been then the results aren't going to change. So something needs to change and perhaps the communication to the on-field players is something that they could look at.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see if they do go that way. A team that did change their offensive approach, of course. Final game of the week, again, Tampa and LA. Um, Tampa look a lot better, don't they, under Jamie Elizondo's play calling. Certainly that commitment to the run game. They're on the road for the first time in a couple of weeks. And open up as one and a half point underdogs. Um, LA actually favoured to take this one at home. Over under sitting at 40.5. I think this has got plenty of intrigue in it. It's two, one and three teams. Certainly coming off the back of different performances this weekend. Um, Tampa have improved week upon week. As we said with LA, they've been a little bit hit and miss. Um, So I think this is actually going to be one of the more intriguing games on the weekend. Um, you know they've all got to be played out and they could spring surprises but you know two heavily favoured favourites on Saturday I certainly think the Sunday games are carrying that bit more intrigue this week mate Um, I'm obviously the homer in this one I think Tampa can go on the road and get it done how would you see this one?
1: I would actually have to agree with you I think uh, based on their performances this season and we've seen them even in the earlier part of the season going on the road to Seattle performing well, just not getting the win. I think now that they find a bit of rhythm, they should be able to make the trip to LA and hopefully get a win out of it.
0: Yeah, it's obviously that big cross-country journey. We've mentioned it, that it is difficult to do, Um, yeah, but ultimately, if um, a team wants to be successful in this league, that's what they're going to have to get used to. Um, It's obviously the same for all of the eight teams involved. Um, Just in terms of timings, Saturday, regular time slots, so 7pm and 10pm UK times for the early games. uh, for the Sorry, for the Saturday games, for the Sunday game. Certainly, I can confirm St. Louis and DC kick off at 8pm UK time. We are completely confused about what time Tamper and LA kick off, I'll be completely honest with you. It says 6pm. We believe that to be Eastern time, which would therefore mean 11pm UK time. However, BT Sports schedule is showing it only starting coverage at 1.15 a.m. So it might well be 6 p.m. Pacific time. And if it is, then obviously it'll be very early hours of Sunday morning. What we can guarantee is wake up on Monday and you'll know the score. It's happening at some point on Sunday night. And that's pretty much all we can do. Right then, mate, we better get out of here. The referees are running in. Must be time for the two-minute warning. It's the two minute so just a quick full 10 yards update, all things going on across the site as usual. Plenty of coverage around free agency, the combine, all things NFL related starting to heat up as the off-season, well and truly kicks off. Uh, free agency will be opening just a week's time now, won't it? So getting exciting. i obviously starting to get some rumours coming out and trades happening. All sorts of things good going on in the NFL world. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. Um, As we've alluded to on the podcast, your Tuesday takeaways XFL-wise are up. Go and check it out. Have a little bit of a debate with me around my power rankings and tell me how you would actually rank the eight sides. Um, Can Michael get any love and can we get Seattle off the bottom on a few people's power rankings? That will be good to see. Still 10% off at NFL Europe shop. If you want to use our code FULL10 at checkout, please do so. And, of course, um, Michael's game previews for the Week 5 action will hit you up before the action kicks off on the weekend. I think, mate, that's going to wrap us up for another week. Uh, Another week we've struggled through with sore throats. I'm certainly feeling it, so apologies for that, everybody fingers crossed we'll be back to flying form next week but with that being said it is goodbye from Michael bye and it's goodbye from me and of course as ever in the great words of Kevin Cadle it's bye bye for now bye bye
1: don't forget you can follow us on social media at Full10Yards and check out all our content over at Full10Yards.com this has been the Full10Yards XFL podcast for the love of football